Sessions, which is much more for him to be here with us tonight. I'm taking time out of this busy schedule, so without further ado, really relax. Thank you very much. Okay, good evening, everybody. Thank you uh, for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Is that okay to put this over? Yeah. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here together with you to learn together this evening, and I thank you for coming out uh, to learn together, especially on a rainy evening, although the sushi doesn't hurt, I guess. Um, I, um, I was asked to speak about halacha, contemporary halacha, right? This is uh, Tuesday night's contemporary halacha on Monday night. So, uh, so I wanted to share with you, I wasn't sure what topic in contemporary halacha would be appropriate, so I, uh, I decided... That what I often decide is that I'll just share with you some of the shilas that I've been working on recently, and you'll tell me which one uh, is of interest to you, and maybe we'll discuss that one. So I'm going to share with you two questions that people have asked me recently in the last week or so, and uh, you'll let me know which one you think is of interest. If you think neither of them are interesting, I'm sorry. <laughs> These are your choices. So uh, one shayla came up as follows. Uh, a woman uh, called me up about, well, maybe it was even more than a week ago, and she is a very uh, kind and generous and uh, um, giving kind of person. And she always had a dream that she wants to donate a kidney uh, to somebody. So at one of these uh, events, you know, where you swab uh, to see if you'd be a match for someone, uh, she swabbed and she just got a phone call back. It's, she swabbed a couple of years ago and she just got a call back from Renewal, which I'm sure many of you know is the uh, organization that uh, takes care of kidney donation within the Jewish community. They do remarkable work. But she just got a call back that she was a match for a one-year-old child. Um, and that is somewhat rare. Most of the time you get a call, you're a match for a 75-year-old man or something like that. She was a man because who normally needs kidneys, right? Normally it's a, it's a person who's a little bit older who's suffering from, uh, from kidney failure, a one-year-old child. So she was very excited at the prospect of donating kidney to one, to one-year-old child. Um, and uh, and, and uh, she, the only thing is she, she, she's a young woman with five children and she's not sure that she's finished having children yet. She may still want to have, she said, if I have another, it will be one more child, but I'm not sure yet. My husband and I haven't decided yet. So she wasn't sure what the risks are uh, for a kidney donor to get pregnant. Um, so she, uh, she called Rav Asher Weiss to get guidance. She asked me to put her in touch with Rav Asher Weiss. Rav Asher Weiss is one of the great gedolim in Israel today. And Rav Asher Weiss said, look, I think it's wonderful. It's a great mitzvah. You need to speak to your doctor and make sure that it's uh, that it's safe, um, and you know, and then we can go from there. So she called her doctor, and her doctor said, "Well, what do you need to be the the person who donates the kidney to this child? I mean, come on, if you want to get pregnant again, it's going to elevate your risk. It's not worth it. Just don't. They'll find someone else. What do you? Why do? Why do you have to be the one to uh, to, to to do this? I don't think it's a good idea." Um, and, uh, and this was after she had done a ton of research and she had spoken to uh, a number of women who had had successful pregnancies after donating kidneys. So she was sure that the doctor would say, no problem. Um, and now she's like a little bit torn. Because on the one hand, the doctor said, look, if you don't want to have any more children, fine. But if you're going to get pregnant again, I don't know why you have to bring this upon yourself. Um, so she says, if that's the doctor's advice, uh, maybe I shouldn't donate a kidney, uh, or maybe I should say, why have another child? I already have five children. There's a child right now that needs a kidney. There's a child right now that needs whose life needs to be saved. 
So why should I bring in, you know, it, 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 when, when I have the choice of a living child in front of me or the potential of, of bringing another child into the world, maybe I should save the living child in front of me. So that was her Shaila. What should she do in this uh, situation? Shaila number two is I got a call on Erev Shabbos, just this past Erev Shabbos, about an hour before Shabbos, from a very uh, big Talmud Chacham. And he told me that he has a, there's a fellow in his shul uh, that, uh, that he davens with, who, uh, who is a Russian Balchuva. He grew up, uh, um, well, I don't know if he, if he was born in Russia, he might have been born in Russia, certainly his parents were, were, were born in Russia and made their way over to the United States. And this fellow has always been a Kohen. He's always gotten the first Aliyah. He's always uh, done Birchus Kohanim. And he has a brother who also became a Balchuva and also assumed that he was a Kohen. But more recently, the brother asked his own rabbi, uh, this fellow's brother asked his own rabbi, if he's a Kohen. And the rabbi said, based on the evidence you're presenting me, you are not a Kohen. You cannot get the first Aliyah. You cannot do Birchus Kohanim. Why? How do they know they're a Kohen? They come from a non-religious Russian family because their father, who didn't observe Shabbos or kosher or anything, he grew up in Russia. There was nothing. There was no ability to know anything. Um, had always told them, we're Kohen. And that's the only way that they knew that they're a Kohen. There are no gravestones with hands on them. There's no obvious last name that sounds like Kohen. Um, you know, there's nothing else to indicate they're a Kohen other than the word of the father, who is totally non-observant and not, not knowledgeable at all. So the, uh, so the brother's rabbi said, that doesn't mean anything in halacha. The father's uh, statement that you're a Kohen doesn't determine that you're a Kohen, therefore you are not a Kohen. Now this guy is thrown for a loop. He's been duchening and he's been getting the first aliyah. So he wants to know two things. First of all, is my brother's rabbi correct? Am I in, in, am I in fact not a Kohen? And if he's incorrect, how does that work? Meaning he's going to listen to his rabbi, I'm going to listen to my rabbi, two brothers born from the same parents, uh, under the same circumstances, and one of them is going to be a Kohen and the other one's not going to be a Kohen? How, how, how's that? You know, you'll have them called up for like uh, two straight aliyos, you know, like, how, how, does, how, does, how does that work exactly? That one of them is a Kohen, the other one, the other one is not. So, uh, so that was uh, his shaila. So again, the two shailas, the woman who's not sure, donate a kidney or have a baby. It happens to be in the end of the day, she said, whether I have a baby or not is not going to be determined based on whether I donate a kidney. I'm, you know, if, 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 the, the, the kidney donation is not going to make my decision for me. But, uh, you know, just that whole picture of like how to navigate this issue. And then the uh, second shaila about believing dad about your kahuna when dad is not at all Torah observant. So uh, we'll do a vote by a show of hands, yeah? So all those who want to talk about the woman and the kidney donation, show of hands. Okay. All those who would like to talk about the Kohen dad, it's pretty close, no? I didn't count. I was just, I, I, just, I figured it would be obvious, you know, like uh, everyone was, uh, so maybe we should, we should re-vote. And all those who didn't vote, vote, okay? So, uh, so let, let me, no, I'll actually count. Maybe, maybe, maybe you want to help me? Okay, so, <laughs> right, so uh, all those who want to talk about, again, the kidney donation uh, issue. Okay, all those who want to talk about the Kohen issue. More, more for the Kohen. Okay, so let's, let's talk about believing dad about, uh, about Kahuna. So the questions, what are your thoughts before we start? Like, how do, how do we ever know that somebody's a Kohen? 
Right, you got your you have Kriyas Torah here, and they need someone to uh, get the first aliyah. How do they determine if someone's a kohen? They pull out like is there like an app for that? You know, like they do a, a DNA test on the spot. You know, what do they do? How do you determine someone's a kohen? I mean, I would just assume that people are just down. Right. I mean, you always say, do we have a kohen in the house? And someone says, I'm a kohen. You say, okay, yeah, I'm old, and then you call him up as kohen, and that's and and and, and that's normally how it works, right? So lahalacha though. What sort of na'amadus does a person... It happens to be, just by the way, most of the time when we get these kinds of questions these days, it's people who are angling and trying not to be a Kohen. It's people who are, who are working on getting the answer that they're not a Kohen. They'd rather not be a Kohen. Why would they rather not be a Kohen? Because oh, they want to marry... They fell in love with a divorced woman or they fell in love with a uh, convert. And the halacha is that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee or a convert. So, uh, so most of the time, people angle to try to not be a Kohen. This guy, he's happily married to a woman who is neither a divorcee nor a convert, and he has nothing, has nothing to do with it. He just wants to continue living life as a, as, a, as a Kohen. Now, the answer has to be the same, regardless of what the person is looking for, right? Regardless of whether the person... In fact, this happens to be a major issue that comes up a lot of times. Sometimes you'll have, like, let's say, three, four, five brothers that are, are, are all Kohanim. They all, they've all always assumed that they're Kohanim. And one of them falls in love with a convert, let's say. One of them uh, falls in love with, a, with either a non-Jewish woman who's willing to convert or uh, falls in love with a, uh, with a convert. And the only way that he's going to be able to marry her is if he's not a Kohen. So he'll go to a rabbi and he'll say, uh, are you sure I'm a Kohen? Is there anything we could do about this? You know? And the rabbi will say, well, let's do some research. And they'll say, well, the grandmother might have been uh, Shavuya. She might have been, had a din of a captive because she was in the Holocaust. And therefore, uh, the father's a Chalal, which is not a Kohen. And therefore, you're good to go. And uh, so he's like, great, I'm not a Kohen. And all of his brothers are like, Hey, you, know, you can't do that to us. Like, oh, well, how does that work? That you're just gonna not be a co- so. It's a very, very tricky thing. You know, I'm making it sound somewhat humorous, but it's really painful for a lot of families. It becomes something that's that's a very, very difficult and tricky thing to uh, to navigate. So, so how do we determine if someone is a coming? So there is a Rambam. The Rambam writes in Milchasi Suri as follows: Someone who comes in our days, the Amar Ani. And he says, I am a Kohen. Says the Rambam, Eino Ne'eman. He is not believed. It's like startling, no? Every shul you've ever been in your life. Is there a Kohen here? Kohen Ani! Ne'eman! Yamod! Right, right away. And the Rambam says, Eino Ne'eman. We cannot trust him to say he's a Kohen. So you might say, okay, maybe to do, maybe to do the avod in the base of Mikdash, but, but what's the big deal about an Aliyah? An Aliyah, you could technically give the first Aliyah to Tamil Chacham, who's not a Kohen anyway. You know, Ravad Yosef always got the first Aliyah in his minion. He was not a Kohen, but you know, no one was going to argue that he was the biggest Tamil Chacham in the room, so they gave him the first Aliyah every time. Right? So, says the Ram, the next words, V'lo yikra betorah rishon. And he can't get the first aliyah. V'lo yises kapav. And he can't do birchas kohanim. And also, as far as eating kachim and things of that nature. That's the Rambam. Now, the Beis Yosef quotes a Ramach that says, Tema. He says, I don't understand. Well, our minhag is we always believe people to, to get the first aliyah. 
and it's logical to assume that we should. Why do I care if he gets the first aliyah? What are you going to be concerned? You're worried that if he gets the first aliyah, people are going to start feeding him their truma, and truma can only be eaten by a Kohen? He says... Whatever chuma we have, Bisman is only Drabanan. I'm not worried that you're going to start feeding. I'm not going to make a gzeira lest you come to feed chuma mi Drabanan. Ah, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So what we have over here is a machlokas. We have machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramach. What does it take for a person to be believed about themselves that they're a coin? Meaning there's going to have to be two parts to this year, right? Meaning the first part, I should have said this before, the first part's going to have to be about what kind of uh, 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 what, what kind of level of evidence do we need ever to determine that somebody's a Kohen? Then the second part is going to have to be, and, and who is believed and who's not believed? Meaning, w- w- to what level do we, do we believe someone who's not Torah observant about anything? Do we believe someone who's not Torah observant about Kashrus? Do we believe someone who's not Torah observant about any area of, uh, of Halacha? So as far as the first part is concerned, Right? Uh, what does it take to believe that somebody's a Kohen? Machlok is Rambam and the Ramach. Rambam says, Guy says, I'm a Kohen, do not believe him. The Ramach says, absolutely believe him. Says the Shulchan Aruch, okay, now we're going to have to know how to paskin. Ebenezer, Simon Gimel, Sif Aleph, Misha, Bab, Isman, Azev, Amar, Kohen, Ani, Eino, Ne'eman, Velo, Yikra, Betorah, Risha. Any Sfarim in the room? Okay. Half, which half? Not the short stuff. I figure. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you know, sorry. Um, so, so, uh, so, so we're safe. I'm in safe company. According to the Shulchan Aruch, Svardim can't just say, "Hey, anybody a Kohen here?" and and just have that person, you know, get the first aliyah. Comes along the Rama for the rest of us. That Yeshomrim, others say, yeah, yeah, he's believed if all he needs to do is get the first aliyah and to, uh, to, to, to do birchs kohanim. So we don't have chumadar raisa anyway, so there's no concern. And then the Ramah adds, and that's the minig everywhere. Wherever you go, that is the practice, that is the common practice. Okay, so so far so good. Meaning so far for us, the Ashkenazim, we're okay believing a person who says he is a Kohen. The assumption, however, has been so far that who is this person? He's an observant Jew. A Torah observant Jew says that he's a Kohen. You believe him. But what if the person is not a Torah observant Jew? What if the person is someone who never even heard of Shabbos? He's a person who grew up in Russia where they had nothing. They had nothing. What Stalin did to the Jewish people is unbelievable. What, what happens to, uh, to, to totally tore, tore us away, tore so many millions of Jews away from any connection to their heritage. Yeah? Yeah, Ah, oh, very good. So the question is, is there motive to lie? And do you need motive to lie? Right? That's going to be part of the question. If someone is, not, is totally non-Torah observant, has no connection to, to Torah and mitzvahs, do we assume automatically there's no ne'emanos, that the halacha says you can't believe them about Torah-related things? Or do we say, if there's any motive to lie, then we have to be suspicious. But if there's no motive to lie, so there's a concept called masiach lefitumo. Sometimes even a non-Jew is believed about something when he's just 
you know, uh, you ask, this comes up in Yeridea, where you have, let's say, uh, some indeterminate amount of uh, milk or butter fell into a chicken soup or a chalent or something like that, and you're not sure if it's given flavor to the, uh, to the chicken soup. So you ask uh, what they call a kfela arma, a non-Jew uh, who has a very sensitive palate, to come and taste, and he says, yeah, this chicken soup's pretty good, but it's not like my mom used to make, because my mom used to add butter to the, to the chicken soup. And you say, oh, okay, now I know that there's no butter, that you can't taste it, and if you can't taste it, then it's butter. So do we have that over here, that the person is just saying, Masiyah Lifitumo, he's saying, uh, we're koanim, yay, we're koanim. It doesn't mean anything to the father. The father doesn't do and the father doesn't get an aliyah, the father's not eating truma, he's not, it doesn't mean anything to him. It's just saying, yeah, we're a koan. Maybe that's reason to believe him. Um, so as far as right, as far as establishing Judaism, it may have a different set of set of rules. Um, it may have a different set of rules because it could be that there's an assumption that you only lose when you say that you're Jewish. Meaning, uh, to, right? Um, although it, it's it's a different sugya, but also a sugya. Meaning, it's uh, it's it's also a worthy discussion. Um, now, the. Uh, the, so, so now we have to approach this, uh, this second part of the sugi. Now it happens to be not everyone is even so thrilled with this Ramah that we could just trust a person to say that he's a Kohen because uh, they point out that the Ramah who disagreed with the Rambam said that you could trust a person as far as dinim to Rabbanan are concerned, like getting the first Aliyah. Birchus Kohanim is a Dinda Raisa. If someone who's not a Kohen gets up and does Birchus Kohanim, that's a violation of an Aseda Raisa. So, uh, so, okay, but the post can work through that. And the halacha, the Mishnah says we pass on like the Ramah, persons believe to say he's a Kohen. Now, what about, what about believing the Father? So, in Shulchan Aruch, in Yeridea, in Hilcha Shechita, the Shulchan Aruch paskins, Mumar lahachis, afilu ledavar echad. If a person is uh, anti religious, even if he just, there's one particular halacha that he says, I'm, I'm violating this. Because I, I wanna I wanna show that uh, you know that I'm right and the Torah is wrong. Oh, Shahumumar Lavadzkhavim, or the person who worships of Adazara. Oh, Lakhal Shabbis Bifarhasya, and that's the big one. He publicly desecrates the Shabbos, Dino Kovid Khavim. He has the status of a non Jew. And that's what we pass in in Allah's of Yayin Nasekh also. And if you have wine that is not Mavusho and it's touched by a mechal, it's poured by a mechal Shabbos b'farez, yeah, by someone who publicly desecrates Shabbos, that wine becomes non-kosher. There's actually a fascinating discussion in halacha. Is he allowed to drink that wine? Meaning, can he, meaning if a non-Jew actually takes wine and pours wine, he's allowed to drink it because he's a non-Jew. It's not one of the seven mitzvahs of Noah. A Jew is obligated in all the mitzvahs of the Torah. Even a non-religious Jew is obligated in all the mitzvahs of the Torah. But what if he's a Jew who publicly desecrates the Shabbos, and therefore when he pours wine, he trapes up the wine, now is he allowed to drink that wine? Right? Because it could be that he, right, that he, he trapes up the wine, and therefore it's not, not going to be kosher for him. There's even a discussion, a similar discussion, I'll take a question in a second, there's a similar discussion, you know, there's a halacha, a lot of people are unaware of, but it's a halacha mufreshes, it's a gemara, it's, it's a halacha psukhan shulchanach, that one is not allowed to invite a non-Jewish person for a Yom Tov meal. Gemara says explicitly for a Shabbos meal, yes. For a Yom Tov meal, no. Right? 
So, uh, and, the, and the concern is because you might cook for him, and even though you're allowed to cook on Yantif, you're only allowed to cook for a Jew on Yantif. You're not allowed to cook for a non-Jew on Yantif. On Shabbos, you don't cook for anybody. It's also to cook for everybody. So on Shabbos, you could have him over. But on Yantif, we're concerned you might come to cook for him. So there's a question, is he allowed to cook for himself? Meaning if you assume that a non, the non-Jew for sure is allowed to cook for himself because he doesn't have to observe Yantif. But if you assume, like the Mishaburah does, that a non-religious Jew, a non-Torah-observing Jew, non-Shabbos-observing Jew, has a din, has a halacha of a non-Jew, and you're not allowed to invite him for your Yantav meal, which would be, it would shake up every family in the, you know, in the Orthodox world probably. But if you were to assume that way, the halacha, would he be allowed to cook for himself? Because he's not allowed to do things that you're not allowed to do. And if you're not allowed to cook for him, then he's not allowed to... But he's got to eat, right? You know, so, like, how do you, you know, so how do you navigate? Like, to what extent do you say? So this is a, it's a fascinating uh, area. Um, question, yes? Do you let him on fire? See, who are we talking about? The non-religious Jew? For... On Yantif, you're saying? Or? For cooking at all. I mean, in terms of Bishalakum. Yeah, so that also good question, right? It's all the same. It's all the same issue. Meaning, if we really say that he has a din like a non-Jew, so then it would lead to a lot, a lot of ramifications and a lot of interesting discussions. Yeah. It seems so. It seems, okay. Yeah. Um, now. But let's talk about uh, kuhuna. So you would imagine, you would imagine that uh, if if a mechal shabbos b'faresia does not have a has the status of no ne'emanos with you know has the status of a nachri with regard to shechita and with regard to yayin and has no ne'emanos, then he shouldn't have ne'emanos about kuhuna either. And in fact, there is a chuvas sefer called chuvas base avi where he discusses someone who's married to a non-Jewish woman that later converted, and his father told him, you're a Kohen. So he's married to a non-Jewish woman. The non-Jewish woman ultimately said, you know what? Judaism seems appealing to me. She converts. They decide they're going to get religious together. This happens all the time. A couple, the guy was not religious at all. He marries a non-Jewish woman. She turns him religious. Again, she converts. And now... Now, this is the, the tricky part. The father says to him, you're a Kohen. So, so, so now what? So now what? I actually had a Shaila last year. This was a crazy one. Um, a, a guy, a young man, had fallen in love with a, uh, with a convert, and he's a Kohen. And uh, his parents were beside themselves. You can't marry a convert if you're a Kohen. And he was talking to his mother, and his mother said, look, I know what it means to sacrifice for our religion. Before I married your father, I wasn't religious. Before I married your father, I was in a very, very close relationship with a non-Jew. And, you know, we really, really, I was going to marry him. And someone had to talk with me that I can't intermarry. And I walked away. And ultimately, I married your father, who's a Kohen, and that's why you're a Kohen. So I know what it means to sacrifice for our religion. And he says, how close a relationship with with an Anjou? Because if she had Bia with a non-Jew, 
she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. And he, the son, is therefore a Chala, which means he is allowed to marry his Gioris girlfriend. So he's like, hmm, how close a relationship? So the question they had to deal with was, can you split that? Can you say that he's a Chalal? I believe mom, that I'm a Chalal, but mom never asked the Shaila about herself. Because if he marries the, if, if he believes her, she and dad have to get divorced. Right? Meaning if you're being consistent. So that was a fascinating Shaila that the, you know, much, people much bigger than me uh, dealt with. Yeah? She would know, but she doesn't necessarily know the halacha that having done so would puzzle her lacuna. Meaning she wasn't so, not everyone's so well versed in these detailed halachas of yichus, right? I would bet if I gave a quiz, right, you know, 10 minutes ago at least, you know, on many of these questions, right? Probably not, not everyone's so well versed in these, uh, these areas of halacha. So anyway, so back to our case. So this, this uh, fellow, um, uh, in this, uh, was married to a, to a non-Jewish woman. She converted the father, says he's a Kohen. Says the Chuvah's base Avi, Kadna'ayin Shapir Lekom Makom Lamanlo. You don't believe your father? He's not observant. Kivin Shreena Masag Viyadis Klal. He doesn't observe anything Jewish. Vumufkar Amezad the Kala Tarukula. He goes against the entirety of Torah. Vulonikar Boshum Nitzot Shal Torah Yisrael. There's no spark of, of, of Judaism in the way he behaves. How could you believe him that he's a Kohen? Which, again, for most people, that's what they want to hear. Because he wants to be able to marry his wife, who's a convert. He wants to. Be. So that was the Psak in that case. Now, it, everything seems to be pointing in this direction until you come across uh, a tshuva written up by Rav Ben-Zion Kuk. Rav Ben-Zion Kuk was a Talmud of Rav Yashiv. Rav Yashiv. Uh, apparently had the following case. Rabbi Sion Kuk writes as follows. I got all this from an essay written by Rav Sika Reisman from Los Angeles that Rabbi Elchanan Adler pointed out to me. He writes as follows. Talmud mei ha-yeshiva shal Rav Mordechai Orbach b'Tel Aviv shechazar b'tshuva. You have a Talmud from the yeshiva of Rav Mordechai Orbach. I'm not sure that's a relation to Rosh Hashanah Zalman or something. I don't know. But he has a yeshiva apparently in Tel Aviv. And this Talmud was a chazar b'tshuva. He's a b'tshuva. V'asabu humi polim. The grandfather is from Poland. Of Misaprilo, his father tells him, Grandpa used to always tell us we're Kohanim. He says, I, but when Grandpa moved to Israel and they asked him, you know, uh, in the Israeli uh, equivalent of Ellis Island or whatever, you know, when they asked him, you know, are you Kohen Levi or Israel? He said, Levi. Why would he do that? See, Grandpa moved as an 18-year-old Bachar. He grew up Hasidish, and he was happy to go to Israel and throw it all away. He was throwing all of his Judaism away. And he knew that the Rabbanut controls divorce and marriage. If he says that he's a Kohen, it's going to be limiting for him and his children. They're not going to be allowed to marry a divorcee. They're not going to be allowed to marry a convert. So what did he say? He's not going to say he's a Yisrael. It's Pasanish, right? So what does he say? So, so he, he says, I'm a lady. So they have in the in the uh, government offices. He's he's he's, he's marked as a levy. He knows that there are limitations. But now now he sees that his children are religious, 
and they care about being a Kohen, and he says, by the way, you're Kohanim. They're all happily married to non-converts and non, um, you know, uh, psulim. And he says, oh, you're Kohanim. And he, he, so the Shaila is, he believed in that. Is the grandfather believed that they're a Kohen? So Rav Yashiv asked him, did the grandfather know what a Kohen is? Did he know what it means to be a Kohen? They said, yeah, he grew up as a Hasidic Shabachar in Poland until he was 18 years old. He knew exactly what a Kohen is. Rav Yashiv said, uh, he's a Kohen. He's Nehman. He's believed. So now we have a problem because Rav Yashiv didn't write a tshuva. He didn't explain why he believed him. But on the one hand, we have the, uh, the tshuva space of you. says, of course you don't believe him. How could you believe someone who you're going to consider to be? Machal uh, Shabbos Beferesi, who's going to ruin your wine and who has no nemanus about anything. How could you believe him all of a sudden about the yichus of Klal Yisrael, that, he, that, that you're a Kohen? But Rav Yashiv said, just like that, you believe him. Rav Moshe, by the way, uh, in, explicitly in the tshuva, says that if a, if a non-religious person says, I'm a Kohen, um, the, grand, the children, grandchildren do, do not believe him. They can marry a Grusha, they can marry a Gioras, that there's no problem with that. Yeah. Is there a possibility that there was a story about that where there's a Matla, that there's a reason that he would have lied about his Gruna says? So even if he didn't lie about it, even if he would have said he was a Kohen at the beginning, Meaning, it's not about lying or not lying. It's Rav Yashiv is saying, I just believe the guy. Whereas, but how do you believe it? Meaning, because he knew what it is. But he, at the time that he was saying that he's a Kohen, he wasn't religious anymore. So there is a, a fascinating uh, tshuva from Ramosha Feinstein that Ramosha himself would say, this guy's not a Kohen, right? That's clear. But, Sneaker Reisman from Los Angeles um, tries to use a different shuva of Moshe Feinstein to make a compelling argument, or what he thinks is a compelling argument, as to why Revel Yashiv might think the guy is a Kohen. It has to do with a totally different shuva of Moshe. Moshe was asked following, the following question back in Russia. Now, back in Russia in those days, if you had some religious members of the family, some non-religious members of the family, it most likely meant that the older generation were religious and the younger generations were not religious. So there was an older religious couple who couldn't take care of themselves anymore. They couldn't cook for themselves and shop for themselves and take care of themselves. They were religious. Their children didn't observe anything. Not Shabbos, not kosher, nothing. The children shopped for them, cooked for them, fed them, you know, took care of them. The older couple wanted to know, can we trust our children about kashras? They said, look, we've, we've tested it many times. They've never lied to us. And we're confident they never would. They have such respect for us. They, they don't observe, but they have such respect for us. They wouldn't lie to us. But does the halacha say, normally the halacha says that someone who themselves is not careful about a particular area of halacha can't be trusted by others about that very area of halacha. Because if they don't take it so seriously in their own lives, they're not going to take it seriously on your account either. So they asked Ramosha Feinstein, can we trust, can we trust our children? And Ramosha had a remarkable chiddush. Moshe said, the whole, all these halachas about ne'amanos, about who's believed, who's not believed, that's when you don't know. So you have to discuss, what do I believe? But when you know, you know it for sure, you don't need to rely on ne'amanos. 
Right? If I were to see something with my own eyes, I don't need to rely on what someone told. You know, if I, I saw that, uh, that uh, I shechted an animal with my own eyes, I, I don't need to rely on someone uh, from, not from, or anything else telling me, oh, it's kosher or not kosher. I saw, I did it, I know. But Moshe said a parent's knowledge of a child, and especially if it's been tested and they've tried and true so many times that the child never lied to them, that's knowing. You don't need that months. That's knowledge. And therefore, the parents are allowed to trust the children for kashras. Wow. Now that became a landmark tshuva because that is used all the time. I just interviewed a guy for Wayu Smicha a little while ago. Fascinating fellow. And I got the sense as I was talking to him, he's like uh, so engaging. And so, like, this guy definitely has a story. So I said, you know, tell me a little bit about your family. So he said, um, oh, yeah, my dad is... You know, has his own business where he works a few hours a day. He learns two starm a day in the local yeshiva, and so he's learning like oh, whatever, seven eight hours a day, and he works a few hours a day on the side. And he's like the most serious from person in the world. And my mom drives on Shabbos, eats non kosher, never observed a single other. You know, that's uh, that's my mom. And I said, like, how did that happen? And he's like, who, who read that shidduch, you know? So he said, he said uh, well, when they got married, they weren't religious. His dad was also was a, a Russian Jew who was uh, uh, in Siberia and was a refusenik, like crazy, crazy stuff. So he said that when they got married, they weren't religious. When I was one, my dad started becoming religious. My mom said, it's nice not interested, you know, you can go along for whatever ride you want, but I'm not, you know, I'm not signing on for that. They have a great marriage, they love each other very much. She said, I'll do whatever you need me to do to make your life livable, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to... And, and, and that's the way they've been living for the last 20-something years. So he says, then he looks at me and he says, Rav Moshe is really big in our house. <laughs> right? Meaning, how does he trust his mom's kashras? She doesn't observe kosher herself. Because dad knows that mom would never do anything. She goes to the mikvah because she'll do whatever it takes not to make his life unlivable. It's a remarkable thing. So, the, so, so what Sigur Reisman tries to suggest is that uh, maybe you could say the same thing over here. The father, when the father's saying he's a Kohen, you know that he's telling the truth. There's no reason he wouldn't be telling the truth that he's, uh, that he's a Kohen. So it's not a question of, uh, of Ne'emanus. And Meaning, just like by the kosher, you know the children wouldn't want to be machshed, they wouldn't want to cause the father to stumble in a halacha. Or a, so why would this father want the children to think they're koanim when they're not koanim? They're going to end up violating halachos that they, he wouldn't uh, have any motivation in doing so. It's a little bit of a difficult uh, comparison to make, because why is it a difficult comparison to make? See, when I'm serving you food, I know that you don't want to eat non-kosher food. I know that there are direct consequences right here, right now. When I'm talking about our family, you know, like, anyone have like that Zaidi that tells stories where you're like, it's a great story. I really wonder if it's true. You know, like, like you know, that, that's, that's the way people sometimes talk about their families. You know, like, I, my grandfather, should live and be well, is amazing. He used to tell us the most amazing stories when we were kids. You know, they, they were all based on a true story, you know, like, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, so, so do we, do we necessarily, the guy who's saying, yeah, we were Kohen, and my, you know, my father was the Godolador, and we were the richest family in all of uh, some backwater town of Poland or whatever, <laughs> you know, you know, like, whatever it was, they're just telling whatever their, uh, whatever the stories are, does that necessarily mean he has no mothers? 
So I, you know, one of the great things about working in Shiva University, I see that I'm past my time already. One of the one of the great things about working in Shiva University is that um, when I walk around the hallways, I sometimes run into gedolim, like major, major, major Torah scholars. So today, I went into the uh, teachers lounge on the sixth floor of the Gluck Building in uh, Yeshiva University. I think to make a coffee. Uh, you know, didn't get much sleep last night, so I went to make my second coffee of the day, and. Uh, there in and I'm talking to Rabbi Adler, who I saw was there preparing a shir, and in walks Rav Herschel Schachter. Okay, so uh, like, do you continue your conversation with Rabbi Adler, Dina? Right, like, how does it work? Like, should we continue to talk and learning? And he's going to hear. So, so anyway, so I, 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 I said, Rabbi Schachter, Rabbi Adler had this great shaila because this was Rabbi Adler shaila. I said, Rabbi Adler had this had this great shaila. So, uh, so Rav Schachter said. Yeah, Rav Maisha had a tshuva where he says that you're not allowed to believe a, uh, a, a non-religious person who says that he's a Kohen. He said when Rav Salvechik saw that tshuva, he was very upset. He didn't agree. He thought that you are allowed to believe a non-religious grandfather who says that he's a Kohen. There we go. I said, why? He said, I don't know, but I know that he was very upset. I remember that he wasn't happy with that tshuva of Rav Moshe. So again, for, for Rav Salvechik, it could be that he was saying it as a chumrah, because it could be that it was a child who wanted to marry a Grusha, who wanted to marry... In, in, in this case, it's someone who wants to be able to continue to do uh, to do It's someone who wants to be able... To, so the Maisa, at the end of the day, this Shaila right now is a live Shaila, meaning right now the fellow's walking out before Birch's Kohanim. Right now he's not taking the first Aliyah. It's a live Shaila, and they're waiting for Tshuvas from Gedolei Yisrael. Um, so right now it uh, hasn't been determined yet. My hunch is that he's going to end up being a Kohen. And even the brother is now rethinking whether he should have just asked his local rabbi. So now it's going up the ladder. It's probably going to go to Rav Asher Weiss and people of that uh, caliber. So it's, uh, it's still, still in the works. So uh, when you invite me back next time, we could uh, talk about how we conclude it. Yeah. If he's not Torah observant. No, no. So if he is, the, the Ashkenazim believe anybody who says okay. that they are. Yeah. So what do you need, right? What kind of evidence? Yeah. So, right. So apparently you need either, you need someone else, an independent uh, aide, Naaman. I don't think you need two, but an independent person to say, yeah, I remember that person's a coming. Oh. Right. Um, <laughs> you're a lady? Um, lady or a Cohen? A lady? Yeah. Levine, much less uh, ramifications. Like, I could also wash a Cohen's hands. You know, like, it's not. My Serishon. Right? Meaning, my Serishon, the person keeps for himself. My Serishon goes to the. Right? Truma goes to the Cohen. My Serishon goes to the lady. Um, but again, we don't. Actually, distribute any of that right yeah. now. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Just a question. So, that, 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 that really beautiful of Moshe talked about that. You, you do just talk about the nose. Is that, is that, is that, is that maybe similar? Maybe it stems from the famous school in Amandus about Eidikim versus Eidikir, where Eidikim, where that can only be met because there's, there's the Indian of actually from a kind of missile for Eidikir. It's more than that. Ramosha understands in Eidos also that even Eide Birur, even Eidos is only needed 
even by Eidech and Nevisurin, is only needed when you don't know. And that's where Eidus kicks in. Like, very famously, Ramosha says this about milk. There is an Isra called uh, Chalavakum. And when we say that, oh, I don't, I don't keep Chalav Yisrael, well, then you don't keep kosher. I mean, Chalav Yisrael is a halacha. What we mean when we say that is that we rely on Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha and the Prichadash, he wasn't the only one. Uh, many others said it also. But what, it, what he says is that when there's government oversight about something, so it's not really a suffix. You know that they're only selling cow milk as milk because it's not worth it for any farm to sell something else, to pass something else off as, as milk. So it's not really a suffix. If you had a suffix, then you would need Eidos. Then you would need a Jewish person there watching the, uh, the milking. But this is a similar idea. Um, yeah, by Kiddushin, it could be, right, it's, uh, it's, it could be more complicated. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful evening and continue on and everything that you do. Thank you so much for